Marshall Perspective, a place where I share my perspective on everything in the space between life and death. I'm your host, Pasho. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have finally come to the end of Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos, where we have rule number 12, pet a cat when you encounter one on the streets. In other words, what Jordan Peterson is trying to tell us here is to enjoy the moments in life where you get a breather between the chaos. You know, and uh, in many of Jordan Peterson's lectures that you can see on YouTube, you know, he basically says, treat it the same way if you see a turtle or a dog. You know, the point is to enjoy what presents itself to you in a life that, as we have talked about before, promises turmoil, promises trouble, promises dragons that you will have to encounter in your way and either run from, cower from, or learn to stand and fight. And so I honestly think that he made the right choice. I think a cat symbolically is really the best animal because if you think about it, a dog, although amazing, and I'm a dog person myself, I've had a dog in my life for, I don't know, since I can remember, but a dog's love, although loyal and unrestrictive, is given basically to anybody. I mean, my dogs are really friendly. If you extend your hand and let them smell it, they'll let you pet them. And if you pet them, uh, and if you pet them well enough, they will never leave your side. I mean, they, they enjoy, you know, the, the swap of oxytocin. They enjoy the attention. They enjoy, you know, just the, you know, the nice feel of it all. But a cat, which I've had a cat too, God rest his soul, my beautiful Blizz Marquee, the Perfactory Blizzard. Um, cats are different. Cats love and loyalty is earned. It's not openly given like a beautiful dog does, right? I mean, that's why dog is a man's best friend, because it doesn't ask for anything, doesn't expect anything. It just gives an unequivocal loyalty to you. Where a cat, you know, you can call a cat and a cat might come over a couple of steps to you and then it could stop and raise its paw and, you know, start going to town on himself while staring at you for some reason in the eye. And then when he's done... We'll get up and walk away from you, wagging its tail, kind of like, ha, 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 ha. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. I'm a cat. I'll do whatever I please. But I was very lucky. I had an awesome cat who thought he was a dog. And if I called him, he would come up to me, man. And, uh, you know, normally you can't pet a cat's belly. It'll scratch you and bite you and stuff because it doesn't like it. But my cat, Blizz, man, he loved it. I could just stroke his stomach and he just became this perfectory where he just lit up. And so, you know, when a cat comes up to you, actually gives you its attention and allows you then to have the honor of interacting with him and petting him, that's a real special thing. And I think really that's what Jordan Peterson is trying to get across here in rule number 12, that when you see something special, when something special presents itself to you in the course of your life, make sure that you're paying attention and make sure that you are appreciating those small moments, because as we have discussed throughout the book and throughout my lectures, there's going to be pain and there's going to be troubles. And unfortunately, we are going to have more failures than successes. We're going to ultimately have more disappointments than things that come to fruition. And that's OK, because we have these moments in our life. I think rule number 12 kind of really goes along with stop and smell the flowers. You know, it's good to have a name. 
And as Jordan Peterson would recommend to have an aim that is upward, right? That is noble, that is based in truth and reality. But you can't be so focused with blinders on that you forget to see, as Matthew McConaughey would put it, all the sparkly, glittery things in your peripheral. You know, don't be so blinded by reaching your goal that you don't appreciate the people that you have encountered who have opened their hearts, opened their lives, opened their secret chests to you. Take time to take that and show it appreciation, show it love. You know, consider it one of those small victories that you get, that a cat came up to you and it's like, yeah, I won, and, and then celebrate it. You know, because we need lots of reasons to celebrate. You know, we have way more complications and things happen that blow up in our face. So why not create, you know, little celebrations like a pet coming up to you, like an opportunity to spend one on one time with your spouse, like a, a great conversation that you get to have with your kid when you impart truth and history to them? You know, we have to really take some time to remember that life isn't all that bad and to remember that life is worth living. I mean, yeah, there's all this chaos and all this turmoil and all this pain, but billions of people haven't treaded this earth, haven't fought, haven't thought, haven't written, haven't played, haven't interacted, haven't loved, haven't laughed, haven't cried for nothing. This life truly is a gift. We need to make sure that we are taking advantage of it. So for the last thing, I'm going to keep this one short because, again, it's not a very difficult rule to understand. But while I was reading Dave Rubin's book, Don't Burn This Book, uh, which is an awesome read, and I definitely suggest that you check it out. He, very much like myself, and I would imagine some of you, uh, used to follow the Democratic Party. Uh, you drank the Kool-Aid. You liked it. You believed everything that they told you. And then all of a sudden things started to present themselves that it just wasn't right. The narrative, the media wasn't lining up. The statistics and facts that you independently research on your own and comparing them to what the you know liberal media is trying to sell you, you start realizing, oh, this is wrong. You start looking into facts about you know police officers shooting unarmed black men. You start looking into research of uh, you know, just crime in general and the different demographics and things like that. And you start to realize there's something wrong here. And he started to shift kind of like Candace Owens as well. You know, all three of us kind of had the same journey. Uh, we voted for Barama, Obama or whatever. And, and then we had a change of heart. You know, we kind of opened up our eyes. We kind of realized the truth. You know, for me, the truth really revealed itself when a hurricane came down here in Florida and I had it on some news station. I don't even remember if it was CBS or NBC or ABC. It really doesn't matter. They're all the same thing. They all did the same thing. But I remember this one gentleman, this one TV you know, guy standing in a puddle of mud. I mean, it was like you know, up to his waist. I mean, not you know, up to his chest like I just showed, but you know, up to his waist. And he had a rain jacket on and rain pants and boots and all this stuff. And he's holding his microphone. He's like, as you can see here, ladies and gentlemen, lots of flooding is happening, blah, 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 blah. And then in the background, there's two dudes walking a chihuahua. They're wearing shorts and flip-flops in the background. And what had happened is the journalist decided to make more ratings, to make it look more dramatic, and to keep people then afraid and then stuck to the boob tube. I'm going to stand purposefully in a ditch where water had collected 
and I'm going to stand in it and make it look like this is what everything looks like. You know, another station did the same thing where my wife's boss's daughter, if you can follow that, uh, lived in the apartment where they were showing one of the roads, you know, out of the four sides of the building. They only focused on one that was completely flooded out. And they try to use that one street as an indicator of all the streets that were in Miami. And so they were trying to impose the people that stay home, be afraid, don't do anything except watch this station and we'll keep you posted. You know, and and meanwhile, it was, again, a ramp that went down into the basement of the building because that's where all the deliveries were then taken. And so it was the only road, the, the only one out of the four roads around the building that went down. And of course, it's going to collect water when it has that concavity. And so they focused on that road all the time, trying to sell to us that, oh, my gosh, it's so bad. The flooding is incredible. Stay home. Be afraid. And that's when I really woke up and I started, you know, when I heard something on the news, I would start researching it, you know, and just type it up in Google. Although now it's even hard to do that because Google's become such a communist party that it even prevents the searches that you can find. Don't believe me. Just start typing something and look at all the predictive text that comes out. It's not what you're looking for. It's what they want to push on us. And, and I started waking up and I started realizing I don't like being fooled and manipulated. And so I kind of changed my way. And Dave Rubin did the same thing. Candace Owens did the same thing. And so I strongly recommend that you read his book. He's got a new one coming out too. Again, I don't get any money or royalties or anything for helping him and plugging his product. But he's got another book coming out called uh, Don't Burn This Country. And uh, I would imagine it has something to do with his decision from moving from California to Florida because Florida is way better. California, I'm sorry, but you suck right now. That's why you have the most expensive gas. That's why people are leaving you in huge numbers. And that's why there's crime and why you have to, you know, pervert children by teaching them all these awful things, which I'm not even going to say because then I would have to change this to a PG-13 rated R episode. And I'd rather keep it clean for your kids because they need to hear these things, too. And in his book, Don't Burn This Book, he has a great story at the end, all right, towards the end. I think it's the second last chapter, if not the last chapter. And he talks about his time with Jordan Peterson. And you guys know how I feel about Jordan Peterson. I think he's one of the greatest minds of our time. And uh, apparently they went to, you know, some college campus to, to give a speech, you know, based on the 12 Rules for Life. And uh, at that time, I guess Dave Rubin was kind of I don't know, interning with him or something. I really don't know. I'm sorry, David. I don't mean to, you know, disrespect your show or your part and role in Jordan Peterson's life. But uh, this is all I can really remember. I I mean, I listened to the book last summer while I was folding laundry. But um, it was a great book. And uh, the last chapter, he goes with Jordan Peterson to a dean's house for dinner. And apparently, I think it was like in a loft or something, you know, top floor uh, of a apartment building. And they go up there and they have their dinner. And during the dinner, Dave sees a cat in the apartment and he thinks to himself, here we go. What is Jordan Peterson going to do? Is he going to follow his advice and stoop down and pet this cat? Or is he going to be kind of a hypocrite and pay no attention to the cat? And therefore, it's rules for thee, but not for me kind of thing. Right. And he wanted to kind of see. And and if that were the case, if Jordan Peterson didn't, you know, recognize the cat, then on the elevator ride down, he was going to, for lack of a better word, you know, uh, bust his chops a little bit. Right. Give him a hard time and call him out for not following his own advice. And so the whole night goes through. They have their dinner. 
you know, I don't know if they had whiskey and cigars like they do on the Daily Wire, which is super cool. Invite me anytime, guys. I am there. But um, it's time to go. And Jordan Peterson starts saying goodbye. And meanwhile, Dave Rubin is thinking, oh, I got you right. And uh, lo and behold, before he reaches for the doorknob, he turns around, he stoops down, he makes that little ridiculous sound right to his cat or to the cat. And the cat comes running out sidles up against him, purrs a little bit, right? If it's anything like my cat, you know, he's got the hunchback and then the tail whip, right? So the hunchback tail whip, hunchback tail whip. And then he gets up, thanks him again for the meal and leaves. To which Dave Rubin says that the elevator ride down was pretty quiet. (laughs) So just so you know, Jordan Peterson doesn't just impose these rules on the world, but he follows uh, this advice. And, And remember too, even though the, the book is called 12 Rules for Life, they're not rules, right? There's nobody that's going to make sure, you know, some executive branch that's going to make sure that you're actually following these rules. You know, it's the same thing with the Bible. The Bible is not a bunch of rules that you have to do in order to go to heaven. Instead, they are, as I like to refer to it in an acronym, basic instructions before leaving earth. And like Matthew once said, the the kingdom of heaven is beset before all men to see, but no men see it. And I think what he means by that is when you ignore the Ten Commandments, when you ignore the Beatitudes, when you ignore the Catechism, when you ignore even these 12 rules, you are making your life more difficult. And if you adhere to the suggestions that the Bible and our Father have taught us and given to us, then you would be able to recognize that life is a little heaven, that this, I believe, is a preview to the real deal, that we get to experience this with free will and all. And if you're kind and generous and compassionate, and if you're strong and honest and, you know, a good friend and a good person, and you listen to people, you're going to find heaven here on earth. You don't have to wait until the end of days to experience paradise. Paradise is all around you. If you have children, like I've got three of them, their love is an oasis of paradise. If you're lucky like I am and married to an incredible spouse, paradise is just there around the corner or until the kids go to sleep, right? But it's there. And when you interact with your family and you go to family reunions, you get to hang out with your cousins again. And, or when you go and hang out with the boys or with the girls or whoever you want to hang out with, there could be heaven there. If you don't carry the anxiety and stress and depression and especially anger and bitter and cynicism, then, you know, if you carry those negative things around, of course, you will never know what it's like to have heaven or to be at peace or to have experienced any joy. These are not rules that are made to control you. These are suggestions to make your life the best one it could be. And that's what I want for all of you. And that's why we've gone through these 12 chapters, because my goal in doing this is that it's going to give you tools to use to reduce your anxiety, to reduce your stress, to decrease the moments that you feel isolated and alone, and to remind you that there's always hope, there's always joy right around the corner. With little tweaks, we can get big changes in our life, 
And again, if all of us would take the time and responsibility to bring our light out into the world, the darkness, evil, runs from the light. And we would, maybe for a little while at least, be able to experience what it's like to have a little heaven here on earth. So thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you for walking with me through this incredible book. I look forward to doing more stories with you. Right now in my classroom, I'm going over Romeo and Juliet. And man, I love that story. And I would love to share my ideas on it. So I think that's where we're going to go next. Um, Obviously, now that the book is done and because I haven't gotten into anything big, I will be taking some moments here and there to start giving my perspective about what's happening in the world. Like what happened yesterday in Texas with those 21 people murdered. It's just not right. And, you know, I'll tell you, as most conservatives will tell you, that more gun laws isn't going to do anything. Right. Ask Chicago, the city with the strictest gun laws and see how successful that has been. You know, another great thing that Jonathan Haidt has uh, given to me in his book, The Coddling of the American Mind, How uh, Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Set Up a Generation for Failure. Uh, He mentions a website called heyjackass.com. Pardon the expression, but that's what it's called. And remember, it is a euphemism for a donkey, so it's not always vulgar. But anyway, heyjackass.com gives you all the demographics on all the different homicides and murders and crimes that have happened in Chicago on a daily basis. They use the police logs, you know, and FBI logs and things like that. They break it down by race. They break it down by sex. They break it down by where the shot was, how many people were died, how many people were wounded. I mean, it's incredible. And then you look at this city that has the strictest gun laws. And yet over the weekend, 24 people were murdered. Now, 21 yesterday, and I'm not going to take away from that because that's an awful number. And my heart goes out to all of those families and not just those families of those who died, but the families and the children of those who survived are also going to have to live with this fear. And this reality and this experience, I mean, how do you wash that from your eyes? How do you erase that from your memory? I don't know that you could, but I do know that 24 is a lot more than 21. And yet we don't cover it because it doesn't fit a narrative. Because unfortunately, our liberal media doesn't care when a black man kills another black man. They only care when a perceived white supremacist, which just means anyone who's not a Democrat, murders someone else, then they jump on it. And so I'm going to talk about stuff like that because I don't think that's right. And I think many of you agree with me. And so if you will, continue coming back to me and we'll keep sharing the perspective. Have a wonderful, guys. (laughs) Have a wonderful day, guys. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. God bless you as always. I hope you have an amazing weekend, an amazing week. Uh, I hope your life uh, is fruitful. I hope it's joyful. And I hope you'll join me next week. Uh, Don't forget to like and share. Uh, Don't forget to... Uh, Leave a review, five star on Apple if you can. That'd be great. I mean, I don't think anybody's ever reviewed anything of mine yet, but it'd be great to hear what you guys have to say. And if you have anything that you would like me to share my perspective on or my opinion on, I would love to share it. And I would love to hear what you would like me to talk about. The more interaction you give with me, the more personalized guys that we can make this. I don't want it just to be me imposing upon you. I would love to have some audience interaction to dive into.